Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. And we certainly have a unique one for you this week. I'm excited to dive into, you know, you meet all kinds of people through this wonderful Instagram world usually. And Today's guest is going to be no exception to that. His name is Derek Hendrickson. And Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you here, man. And I don't want to, let's not spoil anything. Let's get right to it. Tell us, man, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I've at one point lost 100 pounds. I'm back to losing 75 pounds roughly and am the 24th ranked competitive eater in the world. So it's been a long and strange journey to do weight loss and competitive eating, but here we are. Which is exactly why when you reached out to me and you were like, I don't know if you're interested in having a competitive eater who lost weight on your show. And I was like, this is fascinating because I, I myself for many years ate like a competitive eater, even though I wasn't one. And I've talked to many people that have dealt with food issues, but to, to talk to someone who not only has lost weight, but now has food as a part of a central activity that they're doing. It's, I think it's fascinating. So take us into, man, you, you, you lost a hundred pounds first. Like what did you grow up overweight? Like where did that develop for you? So I was always, I was always the big kid, you know, like when you're the big kid, you know, you're the big kid. Cause you're always the tallest. You're always in the back in the pictures. Like you can just look around and even at a young age, I'm like, wow, I'm like big compared to everyone else. And you know, I listened to your story on on the when you were on the Power podcast with Mark Bell, and I was like, "Wow, we have a very similar like kind of growing up." Because um, like in third grade, I was 102 pounds, so I had to play with the the kids that were older than me for my first year of tackle football. They already had three years underneath their belt, but like they figured, "Oh, it's like a weight to age system with some points." So. I was out like they're like a tackling dummy at like third grade with these kids who were in sixth grade because I was so big. And then we moved to Wisconsin um, from Seattle. And Wisconsin has a very different philosophy on big people. You know, Seattle, you see big people or you go to like these healthier areas and they go, oh, wow, big, big people. Wisconsin, it's like celebrated almost because there's so many big people. It's like there's so many like overweight carts, the rascals, all of that. Like it's just a lot more accepted in that culture. And then I continued playing sports where the mindset is, oh, you're an offensive lineman. Like you got to be big. You got to be big. You got to be big. So all of my friends were 330, 315. Like some of them were even like, you know, we were all big because I'm 6'4 and they were 6'8. So I really didn't realize how big I was because I was with people like myself. And like my parents, you know, they, they tried to moderate it, but I was a lot like you. It wasn't just I mean, I had my fast food runs. We all did. Taco Bell was, you know, should sponsor me at this point. But uh, it was mom would make tacos and she'd make, you know, two for dad, two for her. And I would finish the plate. And then later that night, I'd go out for fourth meal. So it was really just 
anything and everything because, you know, it, it's kind of like breaking bread and it was very social for me. And, you know, I'd go out to lunch with friends in high school and then I'd come home after football and eat dinner with my family. And then all my buddies and I would go out later. And so, you know, <clears throat> I get to college and now I don't have like any structure. I'm on my own. You know, it's cold in Wisconsin nine months a year. So you really don't walk. You just you know, lots of, it's a very alcohol rich culture. So there's lots of drinking and with drinking comes, you know, late night food. And so I grew to like 315 pounds, but I just didn't care. And I was just kind of like aimlessly eating and drinking and just having the time of my life and just not caring about like, well, what's, what's this going to look like 20, 30 years down the road? Cause I just didn't, didn't really think like that. And it wasn't until I was like 22 that I went to my doctor just for the, you know, normal checkup, whatever. And the guy's like, man, you know, your, your fasting glucose is right where I should be treating it. Like it's right on the borderline. Your, your, your cholesterol is treatable now, but I don't want to give you a lipid at 22. Like I don't want to put you on a statin or whatever at 22. And he's like, your blood pressure is through the roof like all of these different things. And he's like, I'm pretty sure you're hung over today. And I'm like, you're not wrong. And he's like, you're coming to a doctor hung over to get blood work. Like, do you understand what you're doing? And I'm like, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. And he's like, you know, that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. And he's like, cause you're, you're just like, you know, you're not going to make it long. And so as I'm getting ready to leave, he goes, well, do you have any questions for me? I go, yeah, can I get some like samples of Viagra? And he like instantly turns around and he goes, are you having issues in the bedroom? And I go, you know, and, and looking back on it, it's because I know he thought like I had like blood flow problems, right? Like something bigger was going on. And I'm like, no, I just get so intoxicated sometimes. I just want to make sure. And he's like, you have to do some very big soul searching and figure out why you're like here. Like, what's your purpose? Like that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, what, what a buzzkill. Like I, it didn't even reach me. Right. Like I was like, whatever. And then, so like, as we got into this journey, my buddies were like, you know, maybe instead of eating like a large pizza and we go out drinking and drinking a case of beer, we like cut everything in half and like, we start to be healthier. And they were, they were not big guys. They were like smaller guys. And so it was kind of like a progression. And that's where it's like really started. The journey was like, all right, I'm going to party, but I'm going to party more in moderation. And then it got to the point where you like, you do the breakups. And after every breakup, I'd lose like another 20 pounds to really get back at her. But then I started to find out how much I loved working out. I loved how I just felt better. I loved how, you know, I could wake up in the morning and it was just like, I didn't have pain. I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't have to always wear black and like colors that looked slimming. I could wear different outfits that were, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was just kind of this progression and I failed every single diet I tried. And it was kind of like that failure way to success. And it's not that I didn't fail because it was the diet. I failed because of me. It was like I did keto for a long time, had great success, but I liked beer and I liked bread. So I struggled to get around those. And those worth it moments, as you call it, they started to become fewer or, or more and more and less time in between. So instead of being fewer and far between, it was more and more like, oh, it's a Friday. I had a hard week. I should have a beer. And then one leads to two and all that spiraling. And um, <clears throat> with that, then it was like the six meals a day. But I was always hungry because I never felt like like portion control was always my biggest enemy because it's like I've always had this appetite, so it's not surprising to people that I'm a competitive eater now because I've just ne always had like 
this insatiable appetite for food. It's always been that like addiction, like you said. Like I, th- I, I was laughing when I listened to your podcast on uh, the the Power Project, where you said if anyone looks at a tr- cupcake, a tray full of cupcakes, and says they don't want it, they're lying to you. Because that's exactly how it is for me. It's like, ooh, I want that whole entire tray, but today's not my day. And that's where it kind of like. I did the six meals a day. I did the eight meals a day. I did, you know, lean cuisines. I didn't really ever do Weight Watchers, but it was like, I, I tried, you know, keto, Atkins, because my family was big in Atkins. They're not, like, my family has battled weight problems and all of that kind of stuff, but, like, we always would diet together, which I thought was, you know, interesting looking back on it. Like, they were there to support me. Um, we kind of walked that journey together. My mom has lost 80 pounds, but now she's lost even more because of her, um, she just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My dad's a Vietnam vet, and now he's in the gym every day. So it's like all of my family has had this progression of like finding our own journey and stuff. So it's been pretty cool. Um, but I lost I lost a hundred pounds, and it was very very satisfying. But I had to work so hard to like keep it off. Like my body just naturally, you know, I can gain and lose weight very easily. Like I feel bad for hard gainers because I don't know that struggle. Um, I worked out with Muscle Farm when I was one of their test subjects because they were in Denver and they were like, your body can put on weight faster than most people and your body can put on muscle faster than most people. Your body just naturally wants to grow. And it was just so much work, like, you know, meticulously counting the cal- not not calories, I'm not a calorie counting person, I'm a macro counting person, but like meticulously like trying to do this convoluted equation of how can I fit this in versus this. Like, I'm going to go have six beers, so I'm going to take from here, I'm going to, you know, what is it, rob, rob Peter to pay the piper, whatever that expression is. But eventually I landed on uh, intermittent fasting. And it the, the real draw was not the health benefits, like everyone says, it was... I could get my friend back, which was giant portions. I would just eat one time a day and just eat a giant portion and actually feel like I ate. And then, you know, that was a great godsend for me because it's like I've been doing that now for six, seven years, just one meal a day, one whole food meal a day. I'm very religious on once a week. I have a 24-hour fast just to kind of like almost reset my body. Like, all right, like let's just let my body kind of heal from everything that I do throughout the week because I'm in the gym six, seven days a week, cardio five, six days a week, the the walk, 30-minute walks in the morning every morning. Like it's a process. So, I mean, that's kind of the journey. And then, you know, a, throw a divorce in there where they tell you they want you smaller than what you are and you look back on it and you go, wow, someone actually influenced me enough to like I had to change how I wanted to be, but now the uh, person I'm with now, they're like, we like you, you know, she likes me bigger because she doesn't think my frame fits like that 215, 210 just grind because it was really such a grind to keep my body that low. So nowadays my, my diet is six days a week. I'm pretty much keto, carnivore, low carb, depending on like how I'm feeling that day and what my activity was like last night. I did a protein shake before the gym and after the gym, and I ate a pound and a half of turkey burgers that I made from, you know, scratch, not the pre-made frozen ones, and that was it. Just a pound and a half of turkey burgers. So if you, like, break it down, it's the same as eating, you know, six small meals a day at four ounces of protein. I'm just choosing to put everything, all my eggs in one basket and do that route. Which is interesting, you know, and and it's one of, there's so much there for us to talk about, but... I do want, like, 
I think that's a topic that that happens, comes up a lot. That idea of like how you should structure your meals, and it's funny because like clients will say that to me. Like I give them their macros and talk about food, and they're like, "Okay, so how should I split this up? You know, should I divide my protein into three meals? Should I do two meals?" Like, I'm like, "You need to find for you how your body responds best, what feels best to you." And it's like also for me why I have times where I go through two meals a day, three meals a day, OMAD depending on like what is going on for me and kind of where I'm at macros wise and things along those lines, because if your if your macros are lower and one meal a day, like I like having that bigger meal. Like I like feeling satisfied at a meal. Like if I do those, those tiny meals, I spend the whole day starving. Like you're talking about like when you were doing six meals a day. So I, and we know from the science that there's no real, I mean, there's, there's been some research recently on the idea of, of intermittent fasting, having some, having some benefits in terms of, you know, helping people in different areas. But really, if you're hitting your macros, how you break that food up doesn't necessarily have a huge percentage difference when it comes to the scale and things along those lines. It's more about what goes on in your head and inside your body and what feels better. And so I like that idea that you kind of had to navigate your way through and find what you responded best to, which I think is something a lot of people aren't really willing to do on these journeys. They want an answer handed to them in a pamphlet that's going to give them all the solutions instead of actually finding out what works for them. Yeah, and you're, you're not wrong. It's, it's you know, and, and even I tweak it now. Like, I got away from it, from all the, the noise of our world today, as I'll call it, with everything going on, all the distractions, where I stopped my morning walks. I was working at a job that, you know, didn't value me and I didn't like. Because this, this is where you become a true addict. My daily life is actually selling food. I work in food distribution. So it's like in the morning, I spend all day talking about food, talking with chefs about what can we do, hustling with food. And then it, you know, I go to the gym, I come home and I cook because I'm like you where I, you know, food is, it's not like I just want to eat this rubber boiled chicken all the time. Like I'm, I'm making like homemade, um, you know, I see you're a big fan of Primal Kitchens as I am. I'm making like handmade turkey lettuce wrap burgers with the red onion the tomatoes with my own creation of like a buffalo in and out style spread that kind of stuff because to me a big thing like you said is like it's what are you going to do long term and that's the big thing i don't care if you eat 97 meals a day can you do that every day that's the real question um a big philosophy that i've heard that i agree with is like eat like a dog you feed your dog the same food every single day they exercise, they eat the same food and dogs, unless, you know, we're treating them too much for the vast majority of the dogs, they don't have weight problems. So mm -hmm. I try to like stay on that. Like, I'm just going to eat this. I know what I get and move on. And what have been, you know, what are the, how, what are the changes in terms of like how your body functions? Cause it sounds like, you know, especially when you were there at your heaviest and you know, even that, that doctor's, that, that doctor's appointment you you went into like, there were a lot of things that weren't going great. Like, how do you feel now about the body that you're in? I mean, the crazy part is, is that I have less confidence now than who I was back then. Like, I was much more confident in my skin because I was the fat guy. I was heavy D. That's who I am. And now it's like, well, I'm not, I, I always joke around. I'm semi-fit and I'm semi-fat because that's the truth of it. Like, and I got this loose skin and for years, I hated it. I couldn't even take my shirt off. I still struggle when I go out to nightclubs and, or the pool clubs here in Vegas taking my shirt off. It's just 
we all fight these battles. So, but in terms of like how I actually feel, night and day difference. But I didn't realize it back then. Like back then, it was like, well, this is this is normal. Like you know, for so many years playing sports seven days a week, and then you know sitting in those tiny desks in high school that couldn't fit me because they're made for people that are five four and I'm six four. Like all of, all of that kind of stuff, where like you know the metal is like jabbing into my thighs all day. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. I was used to kind of having like a low grade pain, like, oh, I'm a hundred percent. I was always the class clown that was like, I'm a solid 82. I'm a B, but I'm not a good B. I'm right there. I'm okay. Like, I'm not great. I'm not terrible. It's workable. You know, that kind of stuff. Which I, I think, yeah, I, I think we adapt and make, make our normal be what it is. And so when we change it, like even change it for the, you know, change it in good ways, like make healthy changes it still doesn't feel normal. You know, it's almost like our body has like a default mode that we get into. No, hundred percent. And it's not like I ever didn't work out. Like working out was always a part of my life. Cause that's part of sports. Like, Oh, you're going to hit the gym. You're going to, but it's like, now I look forward to it back then. It was like, Oh, we got to go to the weight room. Oh, this is the worst. Come on. Like that kind of stuff. And now it's like the stuff I do for fun now is stuff that back then was like punishment. Like, I'm going hiking on Saturday. You you couldn't have almost paid me to go hiking back in the day, right? Like, oh, God, I got to be up at 6 in the morning to go hiking so it's not busy. It's like, now it's like, oh, man, I'm really looking forward to waking up tomorrow, getting uh, like, like you. And I wonder if this is, you know, a, a transformation thing. But for me, it's like black coffee is now my lifeblood, you know, especially with fasting. So it's like, I'm up to five, six cups a day. Like I just embrace it. So it's like, I can't wait to get that first cup in me and get up and go. We're back in the day. It's like, I was hung over and just not happy, but you didn't know it back then. You can make excuses for everything. Oh, 100. Oh, we're, we're as human beings, we are amazing at making excuses for almost anything for sure. And one of the things I think is really interesting that uh, I can relate to, even though like our, our weight loss amounts are different, but one of the things that you brought up already here, and I know it's, you've talked about it before on your Instagram, is you lost 100 pounds, but for you, being down 75 pounds is, is more the comfort zone, is more the place where you feel better in your body. Like, what was that like? What Was that something that you came to consciously, or was it more kind of just living in the skin that you're in and just finding that finding that balance for yourself. Because I think that's something people deal with. Like they have a set amount that they're like, I have to lose this amount. And they get to this place where they're feeling good and everything's going really well, but they're not necessarily into that number that they were chasing. And so it's that that, that kind of di dichotomy of, of battle inside of like, I feel really good right now and things are good and I'm things are sustainable, but shouldn't I want to go to this place? You know, it's, it's, it's very funny hearing that. Cause yeah, for so many years, once I got over, like, you know, cause at first I didn't even realize how much weight I had been losing. Cause it was just mainly like, I just kept living my life, but because, you know, like you were over 500, you make small changes when you're that big, those small changes really add up fast. Like you, I think you're talking about your weight watchers. You lost nine pounds in a week and the woman got mad at you and stuff like that. I just didn't realize it. But then once I got to like, oh, I've lost over 50 pounds, like everyone's telling me they've noticed me. 
it was like, okay, I want to get to 100 pounds because for whatever reason, 100 pounds just sounded so amazing. And maybe, and maybe I can make it as like a fitness guy. And people like look up to my story and I'll get like not famous, but like, you know, my thing has always been about helping people. And then I realized like how many people have like lost weight and how great it is. But like that's that younger vision of like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I got there and it was kind of like, well, what do I do now? I'm like miserable now. Cause it was almost like I was getting ready to go on show, like a stage and compete. Like I had to count everything and I had to do an hour of cardio a day plus weights. And I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like it was getting to the point where it was almost like the opposite of my food addiction. It had become like this gym addiction and now I was losing like friends because oh, I can't go out to eat. Why? Because I, I got to get my cardio and I got to be here. I'm not going to be ready by 6 a.m. Like I'd wake up at 3 in the morning to go get all my stuff in to make sure that I was like able to get like a 7 a.m. meeting instead of like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll make adjustments. And that's why getting to like where I am now at 75 pounds, which <clears throat> a lot of the noise of this last year did help me put on weight because it's just like, we were out of a gym and the bands just can't keep up to what I normally do in the gym. And it was just much more easier for me to be like, I don't want to do something today versus like, it's my routine every day. Now I finish work at 5 PM. I have my quake shake, my pre-workout, I go to the gym, you know, like that structure and losing that really tested me this last year. And I'm not going to say I won. It's going to like, we're kind of at a tie, but the, the 75 <clears throat> allows me to enjoy my social life with like friends and family more and not be that person that where I used to be in the earlier part of my journey where I was bringing Tupperwares or I just wouldn't eat. And then people look at you like you were the craziest person when like, oh, sorry. So I've just learned like I always get like an iced tea and I keep a plate in front of me so they think I'm eating because the social norm is like we have to eat. If we're all eating, we have to eat. And I just keep a spoon there and just put it on my table and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I ate. And they just think I ate it super fast. And I mean, because I have the good excuse of like, Oh, he's a competitive eater. He ate super fast. Which I think is the thing that's important there. Like, not every, like, what some people I don't think realize is like, so someone who is trying to get ready for the stage is, and I've had a couple guys on recently who have done transformation bodybuilding shows. So we've, we've, we've really dived into what their routines are like. It's intense. And that's, it's a similar thing when people are striving to hit a goal weight that, isn't necessarily sustainable in their life. And I'm not saying that to anyone to say, hey, wherever you're at in your journey, just stop now. Like that's not at all the message here. The message is you need to find the place that is healthy and sustainable for you in your life where you can live the life that you wanna live. And I think for a lot of people, especially those that start significantly overweight, they're not living the life that they wanna live. They don't have access to the world. You know, they're not in that. So I understand like a lot of times like that Tupperwareing your food and making the choices not to eat at events. And those things are can be important tools that people use to help them. But there comes a point where you have to start thinking about what is my life going to look like for the rest of my life? Like, how do I want my day-to-day -day life to be? What does that balance look like? And I think that's scary because I think that the, the measured macro my Tupperware life is easy to control. You know, as hard as it can be sometimes to stick to it, it's a much easier answer to what is my day going to look like than the other answer, you know, than the other question, the other way to look at it. And it's about stepping outside of that comfort zone and finding how you want to function as a human being. That is the, the bigger lesson overall. Like once you've 
once you've gotten yourself to a place where you're healthy and active and you're doing those things. And that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Like build that routine that you want your life to look like, but don't necessarily say, well, I have to live the rest of my life doing X, Y, and Z because that's the only way for me to live my life. Like be able to take some risks and succeed and fail and learn. And, and it's all a part of this, this process that I, I think is fantastic for people to go through. It is because it, it, it's, you know, it tests you and not every day is a, a good day and not every day is the fun day. Like, <clears throat> do I really want to wake up every morning at 615 and go walk the neighborhood for four? But no, but that's what I have to do. But it's kind of like those worth it moments you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, where it's like, I know my worth it moment is coming, whether I like that or not, because sometimes there's food challenges that I'm not the biggest fan of, but it, it is what it is. It's kind of my line of work, if you would. But it's like, no, 100%. And to this day, like, I get really bad anxiety, I would say, for lack of a better term. But I get fussy, pissy, hangry if I'm not dialed in. Like, if someone's like, yeah, we're going to go out to eat on Friday. I want to know where we're eating. I want to know, <clears throat> like, the restaurant name. So I can start researching the menu to see like and planning my day because if that's not like where I'm planning for that or have something to look forward to, like, oh, like a week from Friday, a week from today, I'm going out with another YouTuber. We're going out to this Mexican buffet that just opened here in Vegas um, to collab and he wants to see, you know, me eat a bunch of tacos, do this thing. So right now I just got done filming with another pro eater, three straight days of just hammering food, hammering food. So I'm on my rehab now. It's kind of like a, a, a baseball pitcher, right? Like I pitched my one day. Now I have to recover, 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 recover. And so, but that, that like knowing next Friday that I'm going to get to eat as much Mexican food that I want. I love Mexican food. That's like what keeps me going. And that like internal motivation is like that day is coming. Cause I'm with you. I hate the term cheat meal. Because you're not cheating. You're, it's part of your structured plan. Like if you build it in, it's such a different mindset. Because like I would tell myself back in the early years, like, cheat meal, I'm a cheat king. But, and, and like then I, I found that I got more guilty with that because cheating is not a positive word, right? It's not a positive word. Like you've done something wrong. And I, then I just beat myself up or I do stupid stuff like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done this. And now it's like, no, this is a planned part of my nutrition plan. Like I pay my price every day of eating healthy, eating clean to get to this one meal that I just want to feast on. Not saying I don't enjoy my normal food because like, you know, I've seen your pork belly nuggets and they look phenomenal. I'm a big proponent of buffalo chicken salads with the blue cheese drizzle and the, the Bolt House Ranch Farms because that's what I also feel sometimes people struggle with is they have this preconceived notion that it is just chicken and broccoli and it's like yeah it can be chicken and broccoli but what are you seasoning with this chicken you don't have to just have boiled chicken like season it with something like give it a little gusto like eat foods that you like but make them work for the goals you have like if you love pasta and marinara and stuff try the lower carb pastas try the vegetable pastas try the in, what is it the uh, invisible noodles you know what i'm talking mm -hmm. about the zero noodle oh yeah try Miracle try noodles, something yeah. yes Try something that's going to recreate that dish. Now, it may not be as good as the, the Panda Express orange chicken, but if you can eat orange chicken every day that's not breaded and that is just normal chicken breast, that's not boring, that you love to eat, like, you're not going to feel like you're dieting because you're actually eating foods you like. Mm -hmm. 
What I mean, that's what it is, you know, fla- flavors and experiences and things along those lines. And I think there's probably some people listening who hear some of the stuff you're saying and they're terrified because they're in a different place and their relationship with food. And they're like, he's he's already planning Mexican buffet. Like, I would go crazy. I, this isn't going to work for me. And it's like, well, that's OK. But I think what they need to hear is that it's not just because I think also, you know, as much as there's a perception about bodybuilding, there's a perception about competitive eaters that every meal is a challenge and that every day is a challenge. And I'm like, have you seen most of these guys? Most competitive eaters are not significantly overweight. You know, they're not in that place. Like it's a, it, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a whole nother level of sport that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand, which is why I was interested to have you on. Cause I would love, let's talk a little bit about like, where, how did you even get involved with competitive eating? Where did that come from for you? And like, how did you find out that it was something you could even do? So obviously I've had a big appetite my whole entire life. I've always, I've, I've just been, and and we call that capacity in my industry. Like what's, what's your capacity? How many pounds of food can you eat? And I was out in Seattle visiting one of my friends from college and, you know, we had been, you know, having a few cocktails together throughout the day, shooting some pool. And I go, man, I'm just starving. And he goes, okay, I got the place for you. And so he took me to a burger bar that was uh, had a food challenge, and he orders it for me. He goes, oh, my buddy wants the Sasquatch or the, the whatever. And so it's four different burgers, and they do like a, a mushroom Swiss, a fried jalapeno burger, a normal cheeseburger, and then they do like a um, – 50-50 burger with like bacon and you know pork and beef and then steak fries and a Bloody Mary and so I'm just like going to town on this and after like 10 minutes all I have left is the Bloody Mary and like the the buns because you know true true low-carb fashion I'm like well if I don't finish this I'm just gonna put the buns on the side so that way it's not as bad right um and everyone in the restaurant's like staring at me and I'm like do I got something on my face like what's going on like am I that drunk that kind of stuff and they were like dude, this is incredible. Like, this is impressive. And so from there, after I beat that challenge, it was like, all right, human kind of nature. Like, well, what else could I do? What else could I finish? Like, let's push this and see how far I could get into. And then eventually it was like, I was beating all these challenges with like fairly easy. And then it was just kind of like, all right, they had like a hot dog eating contest. And then they had a donut eating contest in San Diego. Actually, the donut eating contest is on the midway out by you on the San Diego on the the deck, which is a really cool place to have it. And it was like, I came in fifth. I ate like 31 glazed donuts in six, eight minutes. And it was like off to the races because I wanted to, you know, when I got into competitive eating, like my vision of like my journey was when I was dieting and like hardcore dieting, like counting everything, I always felt like I was missing like my friend because food was always that comfort. Food was always there for me. Like, you know, girl would break up to with me. I would go eat like even now, like I'll catch myself like it's it's not like I have this great relationship with food. I, I mean, I've learned it's it's almost like being in a bad relationship. Like I appreciate that I have a decent relationship with food because I can eat healthy. I can do all this. I don't binge and go off the rails like I did when like things would happen but like when my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's a few weeks ago I had to fight tooth and nail not to just pick something up and start eating because that is just that's my default I don't know why it's how I'm wired but like my dad called me and he's like yeah mom got her test results it was 24 out of 200 they're you know recommending her for this Cleveland clinic and it just hit me and it was not 
tears. It was not anger. It was not that. It was like, I, I got to eat something. And that, that so, so I still struggle with those relationships. I have just found for me that if I know it's coming, and I talked with Mark Bell about this actually in Vegas, he was talking about cheat meals and, you know, people like struggling and they're like, he was like telling me that he tells people sometimes, hey, just, just try to go a day without having that breakdown and then stretch it to two days and then stretch it to three days and keep pushing. And that's something that I always think about is like when people ask me, well, how, how do I start? I'm like, start with one healthy meal, a glass of water and a walk around the block and just start building from there. Like just just get that ball rolling. But no, competitive eating, that was that was how we got started. Just randomly eating a food challenge, not even knowing about it and then just seeing you know, what else we could do, but it was kind of like showing people that you can, you can keep food and you can still eat this, you know, these, these big meals that are delicious and extravagant because I'm like you, I love food. I love flavors. I love all this, you know, coming together with people. Like that's the happiest I am. Whenever people come and visit in Vegas, I'm always taking them to my favorite spots, but it's like, you can have it all, but you just got to work for it. That's kind of been like my mentality is like, if I can do it, you can do it. And that used to be my tagline. Like if I can do it, you can do it only better because you don't have to fail the 97,000 times that I had to fail because, you know, it's kind of like what you said earlier, you see things on the internet and the science of like intermittent fasting, but then yet you YouTube all these fitness YouTubers and they're like, Oh, four meals a day, 50, like you can find anything and everything to give you the excuse why not to do something or why to do something. And it's basically like, to me, it's like, just find something you can stick to long-term. Like if you don't eat fish and your diet calls for you to eat a lot of fish, you're not going to be successful. That's, and that's okay. It's just, it's, it's like, that's a fatal flaw that is not lining up with who you are. It, it's something I would love for you to, to dive into a little bit, because I think there's got to, I'm sure there's someone sitting, listening to you talk and hear you saying, you know, talk about competitive eating and talk about the enjoyment there and even what that experience is like. And then hear you talk about, you know, that experience with your mom's diagnosis and that desire to eat. And they're, they're having, probably having some trouble saying, well, is he really, is there really a distinction for him? Like, how does he, you know, what is it you think that allows you to realize when a moment is about an activity that you're doing, you know, whether it's a food challenge or something along those lines, and when it's about, an improper decision with food. It's it's the planning. So like every Sunday, I like you know I don't prep cook because like to me it's like I don't want to eat cold stale food all week. And I know some people don't have the time for that, but I, I I have the time where I can cook a couple of like turkey burgers. I just take one pack, whatever, blah blah blah. So I eat like a good hot fresh burger. It's in those moments where it's like I know next Friday I'm gonna have that Mexican buffet. We'll stay with this example, right? If I pop my diet somewhere between now and next Friday, that's food getting the better of me, me having a breakdown, me having that weakness. Like I try to schedule that and work for it and just say that's going to be it. But it's like when these random things happen, like I had a bad day or if it's a tough day at work, I'll notice that I want to go have like even and it's at the level for my diet where it's like sometimes I'm so carbophobic still that like I don't want to have a, a carb-balanced tortilla with my taco meat. Like I'm fighting that to that level. Like it's it's very interesting, but that's that's where that breakdown is, is like, okay, this is a planned eating challenge versus it's a Tuesday night. There's no reason why I shouldn't behave. There's no reason. And I just doused like 
whatever. Like we don't keep a lot of junk food in the house because that's how I, like a couple, a couple weeks ago I had an, uh, a, a problem or like something happened and it was just, I went and ate like four quest bars without even thinking about it. Like just three minutes I ate them. I enjoyed them. Don't get me wrong. Like a lot of people, a, a misconception is, do you even enjoy the food? Do you even taste it? Yes. Because there's been a few where it was terrible food and it's just like licking concrete for a half an hour trying to get this food to go down because it's tougher to eat when it doesn't taste good. Your body naturally doesn't want that. But now you're like, oh, I'm going to have to pay $50 if I don't finish it. And it's this real kind of catch 22. But no, that's what distincts it for me is like... <clears throat> Is this a planned night where I was going to do, you know, we were uh, we were doing a collaboration with a guy from uh, London and a guy from Pennsylvania. So I ate like a couple of shakaroni pizzas. That's a planned, like that's not a cheat meal. That is a planned, organized event. But then if I come out tonight and it's Friday night and I do something dumb, whatever that means, like tortilla chips, whatever, that's where it's like, Derek, you, you're, you should be better. Like, you know, you got to be that kind of stuff. Which makes sense when you talk about it, but I, I think it's still probably scary to some people because there's something there that you're able to do. It's that ability to plan it and compartmentalize it that I think is probably the thing that's hard for people to relate to. Because It's hard, it's hard for me. Yeah, and because I, I, and I think it's also not thinking about it. Like, let's be realistic. In a lot of ways, the competitive eating is work for you, you know? So it's like probably for some people the most terrifying job in the world you know i got to i got to do this collaboration you know i'm go, i'm going to do this event like and i'm going to have to eat pizza and the idea that they were, if they were to eat the pizza then for the next 7 days would be all they were thinking about was pizza like for you mentally when you do a challenge and it's you know obviously palatable and and all of that are you able to after that challenge kind of turn that off in your head yes and i owe it to fasting and i know that's kind of a weird route to take but the one thing that fasting really helped me with mentally with food was it was kind of like a stoplight okay it is time to fast you've hit your window stop now go so it was kind of that it it, it like i i even and you know, this is, I, I'm a very honest person. Like I've struggled these past few months, like I said, and I tried to, with uh, taking my new job, invert my fasting schedule. So <clears throat> I break my fast at five and I'm usually done eating by 9 p.m. if not earlier. I tried to move it to, I would go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning and keep my fasting window there. I struggled and my girlfriend had to tell me like, you need to go back to the nighttime because I was putting on weight because it was so hard for me to not eat at like 6.37 p.m. And I wasn't hungry. I didn't want to eat. It was just kind of that mindless, just I want something to nosh on, right? Like I just want to snack on something. And it didn't matter that it was, it, but it's, it's breaking my program. So really it's fasting that really helps me because like my buddy flew out Wednesday night, but he did a challenge by himself on Wednesday. So it was like Tuesday morning. I made a giant quake shake, as I call it, with like raw egg white. It's it's not for the faint of heart, but it do, it's like it's like so much nutrition. It like fills you up a little bit. So it's like raw egg whites, you know, organic blueberries, organic strawberries, uh, the Carb Master yogurt from Kroger, and then um, protein. And I did like enough to get me my nutrients basically in for the day. And then I fasted from, I think it was like 9.30 in the morning on Tuesday 
all the way until, or no, it was, yeah, until like I got to eat the next day. So it was like a 30 hour fast. But in that time, it's like, if I get bored, I just get busy. And that's the one thing that keeps me like going. It's like, oh, work's busy. So I don't even notice that I'm not eating. Am I hungry? Like I did a hundred hour fast because I re- I've read that like a lot of times we're not hungry. We're just bored. And I wanted to test that theory. In the hundred hours, I maybe got hungry two or three hours. And it really stemmed from when other people were eating around me that my social cues were like, you should be eating. Everyone else is eating. Other than that, I was never really hungry. I drank a lot of black coffee, a lot of water, things like that to keep me going. But it was never like this, oh my God, I need to eat. So I think fasting has done like, it's the answer for me. And I don't preach it because it's not a lifestyle for everyone. Like people go, oh, you just want to convert everyone to fasting. No, I would not recommend my lifestyle because this is my lifestyle. This is what I can live with. But most people, like you said, they're going to be out there and be like, wow, this guy's crazy. Like he just either eats or he doesn't. I had to get to that lowest common denominator in order to keep my like lifestyle. Like I'm either going to eat or I'm not going to eat. Because even when I went back to like trying to invert my schedule or small meals a day, it started getting a little bit bigger. It started getting a little bit bigger and I could tell I was putting on weight. And, you know, luckily I kind of know the formula now to get me back to where I want to be. So I have to go on that program. But it's 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 still a daily battle, a daily grind. It's it's not easy for me. Like I have a good relationship with food in terms of like I eat foods that I like. I'm better with the better choices now because in the beginning it was like, I don't want to eat this. I don't want to eat that. Now it's like, oh, I look forward to my turkey burgers. I look forward to my buffalo chicken. But, you know, attitude's everything. And I think that's it. There's a mindfulness there and also the idea of seeing fasting as a tool. Because I think too often there are people that abuse fasting. You know, fasting is used because it goes into that whole mentality of I fell off my plan. I made bad choices. I, now I deserve punishment. Instead of, because it, it's something that I've talked about with some people where it's like, okay, you have a planned deviation from your eating plan and you want to give your, your digestion some time to reset. So doing a 24-hour fast after planning to eat something that you know is going to kind of mess you up a little bit, which I'm sure some people hearing this are like, well, that sounds insane. But it's that idea that you're using a tool for its purpose. You're using a tool that also allows you to live on the plan that you want to live on. Not, I did a food challenge and now I have to, I was bad and I have to punish myself. Because I think that's the shift in perspective that sometimes gets lost when some people think about fasting. No, I definitely see that because they just think, oh, you ate 5,000 calories one day, so you won't eat 5,000 the next day, and somehow that'll balance out to 2,500. And for me, it's exactly what you said. It's the digest the digestion. I mean, obviously, you know, I eat all this food. I just give my body time to, like, figure it out, if that makes sense. Like, what do you want to do with it? Do you, like, let it process? Because one thing, and I read it in an article about fasting when I was first getting into it, And it was talking about like digestion times and like how slow does food actually digest? Because everyone talks about like, oh, I ate this snap of a finger, it digested, snap of a finger, like whey protein hits your system, boom, it's in there in like 20 seconds, as fast as you drink it, it's in your muscle, that kind of stuff. And the example used was like, have you ever eaten breakfast and then at 2 p.m. you burped? And you still tasted your breakfast. That's your body still digesting, you know, six, seven, eight hours later, this breakfast, this breakfast that you had. 
And it's like, wow, that's that's facts. Like that happens to me all the time. So it was like, are you really by fasting depriving nutrients or are you giving your body enough time to digest and figure everything out? Because I mean, it's so it, that's one thing that's always stuck with me is like there's a million different ways to get to the like where you want to be, but it's just which way do you want to go? And that's just like you said, it's not like I'm beating myself up. It's just I'm going to let my body figure it out and let it do its thing. And let's talk a little bit about digestion because I know there are people that listen to this podcast for, you know, weight loss journeys and people that deal with struggles and things along those lines. But now I'm talking to a competitive eater. So I know there's going to be some questions that come with that as well, which I'm sure you're used to. But so what does it feel like? What does it physically feel like after you complete a challenge? Like what is that 24 hours after like for you? Depends on the size of the challenge. So I can eat about nine, 10 pounds of food. So if I eat five pounds, I really don't feel it. Um, usually afterwards, like I'm taking a lot of probiotics and things that are going to help my stomach, as well as I take a lot of fiber afterwards just to encourage, you know, things along those lines. A lot of water, because I, I have found after like through the years of doing food challenges, that when you eat a lot of food, you become naturally dehydrated. And I don't know the science behind that. I just know that when I eat a food challenge, my body's telling me it's dehydrated. It could be all the sodium or anything like that. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a health expert in terms of that. So I just drink a lot of water and a lot of probiotics, a lot of fiber, and just kind of let things, you know, play out as they can. Um, if I go on the top end of my capacity, it's kind of like being hung over with alcohol and everyone expects us to have like bathroom problems it's not that it's i i again i don't know the science but i feel like when you eat so much your blood has to like help you digest right like your body's got to like shuttle blood and nutrients to help you process all this food i just get extremely tired and extremely thirsty and that's about it it's 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 a hangover like the next day i'll wake up and i'll be like oh man like poof what did we do last night but then it's time to go. Like, it's time to get healthy. And I get almost excited. And this is going to sound really weird, but I mean, I, if, if, if the listeners can't tell by now, I'm a very interesting individual with my appro approach to everything. After eating bad for like, like this week, after eating bad, I still hit the gym, did my bands and whatnot. But after two, three days of bad eating, I was so excited to get in the gym and to eat healthy and because it's like almost like the opposite of the drug. Like food is this drug when I eat bad, it's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm indulging, blah, blah, blah. But on the opposite, and now I almost get like this dopamine hit of like getting back in the gym, getting back in my rhythm. So it's like, it's very interesting because after I cheat, like I'm so excited to get back on my program the next day. Like after I eat this big meal, it's like, all right, we're going to go to the gym tomorrow. I got my quake shake. I can't wait. Like, boom. It's, it's just very weird. Which, again, obviously, we're not making recommendations on this episode no. for people to go out and become no. competitive eaters. Like, No, I would not wish that upon anyone. <laughs> but I think that's it's interesting for people to hear that perspective and also kind of hear what that's like, you know, kind of because I think we have all these perceptions. Like, you know, we know that the event, the, the competitive eating event that most people know is, you know, the Fourth of July hot dog eating contest. And then it's the questions one. always become what happens to all those hot dogs after? What happens to their body? Like, are they then put into like, you know, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber for seven days to be able to survive? Like, you know, there's all this mystique and mystery around these these things. And it's interesting to hear, you know, the relationship that you've been able to build with those experiences 
that still drives you to make the healthy choices that you're making and still sustain the changes that you've been able to make. And I tell everyone, I'm like, I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish upon, you know, I love my life. I love everything that competitive eating has given me. I love like losing weight has done that, but like, I'm a food addict. Like I, I love food. And during my journey, like, you know, that's, that's the thing is like, I, I, I get tons of people that reach out that are like, how do I even get started? I'm like, you don't want to do this, but I'm like, I understand where you're at that you want to eat 10 McDonald's cheeseburgers because that's where you're at. Like you've got to put in that like kind of like little bit of work where it's like, it's not going to totally derail you. Cause like my problem was, is like, it, it's like you're worth it moments. Once you start having, Oh, I'm going to Olive Garden. It's really not worth it, but you can tell yourself it's worth it, you know, versus that. Like, that's why I don't mind not eating out when we go out to places. Cause it's like, this food isn't worth it. Like it's not worth it. So no, it's, it's not a journey for everyone. Like, that's why like, I kind of share my journey. Cause I think a lot of people that are bigger and you'd be shocked. I post videos on TikTok. I post videos of like, could you eat 10 cheeseburgers? Oh, three minutes. Oh, I could do this easily. It's like, no, you can't. And why would you want to like, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I don't love it because that's just my journey, but like it's, it's, it's more the weight loss, which is why I decided to kind of come on your podcast. Cause every time else it's like, well, tell us about the biggest challenge. And I'm like, you know, food is just a small part of this to me. Like the reason why, like I liked competitive eating and wanted the platform and wanted to try to like, was to help bigger people. Because obviously like a lot of the competitive eaters are former fat kids like me that they've, you know, lost weight and they're just all trying to like, you know, keep this, like find a relationship with how do we eat big? Because obviously you don't get like overweight without like liking to eat, right? Like no one, like, like, I don't know if you know the bodybuilder, Jay Cutler, um, the famous, and he would talk about the worst part of it was eating. I'm like, dude, that would be the best part of that job, right? Like eating all the time. Like, and he's like, oh, that was just such a chore force feeding and stuff. But no, it's a, it's a very interesting thing, but that's like what I always wanted was to show people like, yeah. You can still keep like your big delicious foods. You just can't do it every single day. Like that's the thing is like you have to like, you know, you can't just rely on eating, you know, people joke around that, oh, you can eat Pop-Tarts every single meal. And as long as you only eat four Pop-Tarts a day, you'll lose weight. Well, yeah, but you're not going to feel good. Your body composition is going to be terrible. Like all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like you hear that joke, like I'll... So for me, it was kind of like, hey, you, you, you can have it all. You don't have to like turn your back on your quote unquote best friend because when I was dieting, that's the relationship I had. It was like, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And it would just, you know, it's just you kind of live and learn and then figure out, like you said, I think you said it best. Like, how do you how do you live your life? Like, it's scary because it's like I still have that fear. I still have anxiety if I don't have like what I'm supposed to eat. And it's not to like the, the, the gram or anything like that, but it's like, if I don't know what I'm eating or we go out somewhere and people don't tell me where we're going or something like I get like, Oh, I got to look this place up. Oh, I got to figure this out. Like, and totally rework my schedule. Like it's very, I'm very like still very scared of getting fat again because I can see the path to obesity, which is funny because I'm a competitive eater, but like my number one fear is getting fat again. And how does that like, because I think that's something, you know, something you said a couple of times, you know, is food as a, as a best friend. But I think the flip side of it is like at the same time that we're using food as our best friend, it can be an enemy working against us. So how do you handle that fear? Like, because I think that's something someone listening is because I'm honestly, I'm sure there's someone listening who's like, this guy's insane. Like, 
you know, hearing these fears and hearing these things, like, why is he putting himself into these situations? Like, what do you think is the context for you where you would start to say, okay, I am not, what, this relationship I'm building with food is not moving me where, do I, where I want to be in life. Like, how do you, you know, what's the, your mentality there? My medical numbers are all good. So knock on wood, I feel blessed about that. Because if there's any major health indicator, I, I would not be doing this. I'm not going to risk my health. I enjoy the traveling. I enjoy all the, you know, the fun experiences and meeting people. Like, when am I ever going to be in Elkhorn, Iowa? And I kind of use as a tool for that, as well as just, like, telling people, like, the story. Like, you know, the more people, like, when I was bigger, I was the only one that was bigger out of my circle of friends. So they really never understood, like, in college, that is. In high school, I had the bigger friends. But in college, like, I was the biggest kid. And they never really understood, like, what that was like for me, right? Because no one knows what other people are going through. We, we, we claim we do, but no one really knows what everyone's kind of going through in their own life. And so with that, it's like I try to tell people, like, oh, yeah, I lost a bunch of weight. And, you know, a lot of big people are like, how'd you lose all this weight? How'd you do it? And so sharing that kind of journey, like, I try to inspire people, like, hey, don't follow my footsteps. Like, find your own journey, but you can do it. Like, I promise you. And that's... So, you know, for me, it's like when I started to gain weight back through the noise of the world, I stopped eating for a month. I didn't do competitive eating. I pulled it out and just concentrated on my diet. So it, it's it's I got I, I know when to cut my losses. And it was not and it's not like, you know, I think sometimes I come off like, oh, I just I just know this. I know that it, it's not this black and white for me. Like it's very negotiable sometimes. And that's where like I've had these slight fluctuations of weight and just doing different things. But it's more like, you know, okay, I got to a weight that I don't like because I, I can't weigh myself. I am not a scale guy. I am not one of those people that weighs myself. I have friends that weigh themselves every day. That is not me. Like I have very bad like body dysmorphia. Like I just don't like how I look a lot. So if I see a scale, I could feel great. If I see that number on the scale, my day is gone. I know it's, it's, I'm a very interesting case. I'm sure people think I'm insane, but I'm happy with where I'm at. I found a system that has worked for me. And that's where like, I try to pe preach to people is like, you know, when I was fat and looking to lose weight, you pick up a men's health, you, you type in how to lose weight on the internet, whatever it is you go to, to look for places. And they all have these plans and they all have these things like, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this. And I might catch some heat for this, but it was like, I always remember watching the biggest loser and I'm like, yeah, this is great that they're losing weight, but what do they do when they go home and they can't work out eight hours a day? Like these people aren't teaching them how to live. I mean, anyone anyone can go to an eight week, you know, lock in fitness retreat, but you're not finding the true root of the problem. And I've just learned that it's kind of like, you know, for me, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. I have this, like you said, like food is almost a drug and I can either choose the good drug that's going to help me get healthier or I can choose the bad drug that's going to make me, you know, get sick. And that's when I try to have to figure it out. I was like, which path am I going down right now? Because, you know, you get in your head and you do have some depression issues with everything going on and whatnot. And it's really easy to slide. It's not like it for me. It's been like, oh, everything's been, you know, roses and rainbows and puppies. It's been like, no, there's been a lot of times where I've had to just go back to journals where I've like written things down, like just random little blips, like, oh, this was great. Like do this. And then I'll go back like, okay, we got to get back to square one, like throw it all away. We got to just get back to the fundamentals. And I had to do that even a couple of months ago. 
And here I am two years into being a professional eater and stuff. And people would say, why would you keep doing it? I love to eat. I love to meet the people. I love the the community. I mean, that's the crazy part is when you, when you lose weight, there's communities for everything. And they all kind of catch heat like, oh, you're keto. So you go, you're wrong because it's a balanced approach. And I just try to get to that mindset of like, none of them are wrong. None of them are right. It's whatever is going to like long-term give you the best outcome that you're looking for because keto is great for a lot of people. It helps me. Carnivore is great for me. And, you know, I can't do the balanced approach. My body does not respond to it. Like I have pictures where I was like, you know, at my leanest and I started fooling around with carbs and changing up my macros. I was the same weight. Weight did not change, but yet I did not look as good. So I'm like, that was my body showing me like, we we don't really like this. Let's do Mm -hmm. something else type of thing. Which I think that's the message that comes through clear in terms of everything you've been talking about today is that mindful approach to the journey that you're on. And let's be real, your journey is far from over. You know, you're, we're, not, we're not talking about, dare, you know, you're not headed into retirement. You know, you're not in the, in the end of days. So what, what I think is clear there though is whatever twists and turns the, roads t- the road takes ahead, you've got that structure of mindfulness built. You know, what I need to be doing, what are the things, the markers that are important to me, you know, what being in touch with how you're feeling. Like, I think those are the things that every person listening, because obviously every person listening, I would say 99.999% of the people listening are not even interested in stepping into the, the, the realm of competitive eating. But I think it's your perspective. Because, like, we could, we could have spent a half hour talking about wild challenges and what's the biggest thing you ate. And, you know, I, yeah. I could have yeah. asked for the recipe for the four-pound biscuit you posted a while back on your Instagram. <laughs> you know, all of that. Um, but I think instead what, it's, what is there is this idea of the individualness. And that's something, again, I, I go back to something I said earlier. Like everyone wants an answer typed up on a piece of paper that's going to fit every person. And mm-hmm. it's when you accept that you're not going to find one answer that's going to solve everything for you. And you have to be in this place of mindfully reacting to your life that you start to see actual progress. And you start to feel like you're growing and developing in everything that you're doing. I mean, it's not easy. Like I, I, like your journey is so motivating to me. Your journey is very inspiring to me because you've done it twice and you are bigger than I was and bigger than I could imagine. Cause there's like, you know, there's times where it's like, how far could I have gone? And I, I, and I remember like, I didn't want to believe I was 315 pounds, but when I went on the gym scale, I could make an excuse that the gym was adding pounds to the scale. And that's why I was over this weight. And I went to the, I would donate plasma. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but you have to be a certain weight to give the max amount. And I'm like, oh, well, they want those little girls to be, you know, over that weight so they can get the maximum. Like I could rationalize better than anything in the world of why, why something was set up. And, and to me, like I, 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 I still battle it every day. And that's why I try to tell people as well. And it's probably scary to people, but it's not like, I think when I started out on this journey, I thought like I'd, I'd, I'd lose a bunch of weight. I would get the best looking girls in the world and I'd be the happiest guy in the world. And then you realize when you get there, like the the journey, that's half the journey. The other journey is trying to figure out who you are now, because for so many years I was the fat kid and now I'm not fat. But when you tell fat jokes, like, you know, make fun of yourself for being overweight, because that's just my style of humor. People kind of look at you like, dude, you're not, you're not fat. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's just how I always connected to people. I was always like funny and stuff. So it's, it's. 
it's just a very interesting journey. And like I said, I was more more confident back then, and I would not recommend being a competitive eater. Like it, it's it's fun for me because like it's the show, and I like entertaining people, and I like people to be happy. And there's just so much unhappiness. Like when I go out on the road or I'm with friends, it's like everyone kind of gets in these pity parties and I'm like, no, man, life's life's too short. Like, let's have some fun. Let's put some smiles on there. So I'm big about charity work, which, you know, like I'm not saying I'm eating hot dogs for charity, but like when I do do qualifiers, I'll put up pledges and be like, hey, for every hot dog I eat, X number of dollars is going to go to this veterans foundation or end Alzheimer's. So like help me out. And I try to like spin it to like grow that. But no, it's just a, it's, it's for me, it's like a daily sometimes a daily battle like it doesn't it's not been a clear answer but that's you know the thing is is you got to do the best you can like i tell people like my buddy now he's lost 80 pounds i couldn't be more proud of him um the one that actually got me to my first challenge and he's you know very against food he supports me very against competitive eating you know that kind of but you know he was like wow like it's just you know he struggles with it now with the weight loss because it's just it it's making those good decisions more than you make the bad decisions. That's really the, the, the basic boil down lowest common denominator is like you got to be good more than you're bad. But I, I get really tired of personally when these people like almost call people out for having a bad meal or a relapse like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Well, we know we shouldn't have done it, but we did it. How do we move on? Like it's like a quarterback. Turn the page. How do we get to the next play? I threw an interception. I don't need to be told I threw it. I know I did it. Help me. You know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is, and it's okay to be mindful of thinking about okay, if I want to avoid doing that again, what do I do? But to sit in that place of punishment after a decision like that gets you nowhere. It doesn't move you forward at all. You know, like 100%. you said, like it's got to be something where learn lessons, apply those lessons. And if you're not applying the lessons, that's a whole different, that's a whole different arena. You know, that's a, that's a situation where you're allowing yourself to, to have cycles continue. What do you need to do to break those cycles? And sometimes things people need to do are extreme to break those cycles, you know, that, and that's not even really what we're talking about today. Like we, we, we really dove into the journey that you've been on, man. Like, I'm curious, so what's coming next for you? Like what's next on this path? Currently, I'm uh, just working on more self-love. You know, my hardest critic is myself. Like, you know, you're talking about the Nathan's Famous thing. And, you know, we always like, you know, it's 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 athletes against athletes, quote unquote. And so there's like a little bit of getting in people's head. And I always make the joke, you don't have to get in, you don't have to get in my head. I can beat myself up far worse than any of y'all can. You know, it's just how I've kind of been wired. And so it's more working on that, that self-love and appreciating the journey because I look back now and I'm like, oh, I looked better back then. I felt better back then. How do I get back there? So it's kind of just, you know, in, in embracing this process because, you know, in the beginning I hated it. Of course, I wanted to eat large pizzas with my friends, but I wasn't doing this. And it was tough for me to go two days without cheating. And I just kept going an extra day like Mark Bell would like, you know, he was saying what he does. He was like, just push it, just push it. And eventually I've been able to push it now. But it's just kind of like finding that inner peace of like, it's okay that I have loose skin, you know, because for years I'd make fun that I had, you know, sagging chest because of my weight loss or things like that, you know. So it's just kind of like, this is, this is my battle wounds. I went through hell and back mm-hmm. and it's okay. Like, this is my story kind of on my canvas of my body, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So that's well, that's kind of the next journey. For sure, man. And and I have found this discussion fascinating in terms of, and I, I appreciate your openness with everything that you've shared with us today. Man, if people want to follow along and see how that journey of self-love and also see what's going on with your adventures, you know, no pun intended as we, as we get to your <laughs> Instagram handle, uh, where's the best, where are the best places for people to find you? Uh, Instagram and YouTube, you know, if you ever have any questions, just hit me up. I always try to be that way too. Cause I have a lot of friends that are bigger YouTubers and they never respond to anything. And I'm like, you know, that's the coolest part is about connecting with people and learning their journeys. Like, you know, learning about your journey. I, I remember watching you on the, the Mark Bell podcast and it was just like fascinating. Like all that, like, you know, all the, the dips and how, like you're just killing it. So it's just, it's just awesome to see people whether they're, you know, on a similar path or not, just people being successful and finding that, that's, that just fills me up. But I'm on Instagram and YouTube. I'm at Las Vegas Heavy D, The Adventures of Heavy D. Both of those will pull you up. So pull me up if you want to follow along and see four pound risk it for the biscuits, or if you want to see my transformation Tuesdays and all that kind of fun stuff. Great. Well, and I'll be sure to put links to all of that in the show notes today, man. Derek, I... End every episode with five questions called the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through them? I am ready. Okay, so here we go. Question number one, Derek. Tell us, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Ooh, John Candy. There we go. Plain and simple. Question number two, it, Derek. No, you were going to say something? I didn't want to cut you off. I was going to say, it's tough. That's a great question. I was yeah. going to go Chris Farley or John Candy. That's a, that's a good story. Those are usually the two that come up to the top and it's usually i base my opinion on the guests based on the answer they pick between the two i won't say people know my preference they understand they, they know that already if they're regular listeners question number two man what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you Ooh, that's a, these are good questions it's okay to fail it's okay to fail it's okay to ask for help I like it. Question number three. You, you kind of answered this one a little bit earlier, but I want to clarify it for people. Derek, if someone out there listening wants to get started on a, on a transformation journey today or a health journey or whatever it is they want to do, what yeah. is one concrete thing they can do today to get started? Take a walk around the block. It's not that hard as long as it's safe in your neighborhood and that just just get moving. One foot in front of the other. I like it, man. Derek, question number four. What is one thing about yourself that you love? Speaking to self-love. <sighs> my uh, my like willingness to give. I always want everyone to have a good time, and I do love that Like I'm a giver. Like I will sacrifice to make sure everyone else has like a good time. I'm that person. Because like, that's what makes me happy is seeing like other people be happy. Awesome. And question number five, Derek, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? It's going to be funny, but it's to make it back to Coney Island because that was one of like, like that's the, the world series of competitive eating, right? And I, I know, like, again, you were laughing about, you know, talking about Joey and that's like his big event, but it was so cool, like just to be with like ESPN and do all that kind of stuff, like that it, it sounds funny because you know here I am on a uh, you know transformation a healthy podcast, but like as a fat guy I felt like I had made it like right like I had done all this stuff I had lost weight I had 
put in the work in eating and you know the we, we drink a lot of water to help stretch our stomachs so that way it's not always food like I drink a lot of water like a gallon as fast as I can but it's like I felt like I had just made it as like a fat guy like you know how crazy is this some kid from small town Wisconsin on this big ESPN stage eating hot dogs like all these people that were like oh you're fat blah blah it's like well here we did something about it like your move so that's what my goal is is just trying to get back there because believe it or not the world of competitive eating is very very competitive (laughs) as funny as that is to say there's a lot of people new people coming in there's a guy that moved from brazil he's a big youtuber he moved to the united states to pursue it i mean it's it's a worldwide thing it's crazy well we will all be watching along for that adventure man and Derek, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the show today and sharing this very unique journey, but unique, everyone's journey is unique. And I think that's important for people to hear on on every episode of this show, but you definitely brought some perspectives today that I don't think people would expect when I say I'm having the 24th ranked competitive eater on the show. So I just want to say a big thank you. No, thank you for having me. That's why I always like treat it with the kind of like, if you want me, I'd love to be on. You know, I love, I love the show. I love everything that you're doing and you know, all the great posts and the great work. Cause it's like, to me, it's like we're a community in terms of weight loss. And if you know, you can take something from me that helps you, I take a lot from you that helps, you know, me, it's like, we just all got to kind of get better and grow together. Awesome. So everyone out there, if you want to connect with Derek, his links are going to be in the show notes today. If you want to connect with me, you know you can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And my friends, before we sign off, I have to remind you, go out there, do something to amaze yourself today because you are the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.